0: You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for Christians who want to write their first book, and then more, so they can lead their readers into spiritual freedom, while at the same time leading their own families into financial freedom. I'm Nika Maples. Did you know that high achievers all have one thing in common? They're willing to delay gratification. Learning to delay gratification can make you a better and more prolific writer. In this episode, I share my review of The Marshmallow Test, a fascinating book that reveals years of research about delayed gratification and its effect on productivity. But first, an invitation. You are an anointed and appointed writer, And I am hosting a free five-day party in your honor. It's called First Book Fundamentals Week. And over the course of five days, I will be helping new writers just like you take those early steps toward fulfilling God's calling on their lives. If you are a Christian woman with publishing goals, you won't want to miss it. I'll be teaching every day on the most important things you need to know as you build your writing career from the ground up. There will be fun giveaways, question and answer time, and chances for you to begin operating in your identity as a writer. So how do you join the party? It's only available to those who are in my Facebook group called Write for Impact. So stop what you're doing, go to Facebook right now, and search for Nika Maples' Write for Impact. One day, you may look back and say that first book fundamentals week was what got you started. We'll begin the last week in October. Can't wait to see you there. And now that you've experienced some delayed gratification of your own, this is episode 88, The Marshmallow Test. Someone recommended to me the Marshmallow Test, Why Self-Control is the Engine of Success by Walter Mischel. And I ate up every page and I had the best time reading through this book and finding practical applications for the Christian. It's not a faith-based book whatsoever, but the scientific data proves things are already explained to us in the Bible, so I think we can connect the two, the science and the scripture, to find something so uplifting for our spirits. Let's dive in. At the end of this training, you will be able to use strategies to improve self-control. Isn't that great news? So what was the marshmallow test? It was conducted in the 1960s at Stanford University, and it was conducted in the preschool on the campus. So most of the participants were only four years old and maybe connected somehow to faculty or others in the university community. And we'll get to that in just a minute. These four-year-olds were brought into a section of the preschool that they called the surprise room. And in the surprise room, there was a simple table and a chair. On the table were two plates. One plate had one marshmallow and it was set directly in front of the child. The other plate had two marshmallows and it was set just beyond the child's reach. So the researcher would bring the child and set them in the chair and then explain. She would say, I'm about to leave the room and here is the way this game works. I'm going to be gone for just a little while and you get to choose whether you want one marshmallow or two marshmallows. It's all up to you. See this bell. If you decide that you want to ring the bell before I come back, I will immediately give you one marshmallow, but if you never ring the bell and I come back on my own, then I will immediately give you the plate with two marshmallows. So you're getting marshmallows either way, but you get to decide if you want one marshmallow by not waiting, or if you want two marshmallows because you're willing to wait. And then they just turned on the hidden cameras and watched the children decide i've heard that the the um the recordings from this time period are hilarious in some cases children did things like covering their eyes and their ears so they wouldn't see the marshmallow because they wanted so badly to wait or they would pick up the marshmallow and lick it and then put it back down and then decide not not to eat it um they would turn their whole chair, or these four-year-olds would turn their whole chair around away from the marshmallow because they didn't even want to, to see it anymore. They all had ways of dealing with it. And a lot, a lot of the kids just rang the bell and ate the marshmallow. Well, what the researchers found was years later, when they followed these kids into their 20s, 30s, and 40s, the kids who had had high delay ability, the ones who had waited for two marshmallows, well, they had higher SAT scores, better jobs that had higher income, they were healthier, they had not gained too much weight, they didn't have habits like smoking or overdrinking. Everything in their lives seemed to be better. But the kids who had low delay ability were in a different category altogether. They had not scored that well on the, ACT, the the SAT or the ACT. They had lower paying jobs, they were overweight, they had smoking or drinking habits, and things about their life seemed out of control. Well, the research got even better because they started asking now, wait a second, So these kids all come from this academic community, mostly well-to-do people in California. What if we change the setting? So they went to New York, to a low-income area, and they even changed from preschoolers to middle schoolers. Do you know the same exact thing happened? Kids on the recordings would operate with a lot of the same strategies. So this is what they found. People with high delay ability have similar strategies. The the research team interviewed kids of all ages. They even traveled around the world. They interviewed kids from all over the world. And you know what? There were common threads which proved to the researchers that self-control is not inborn it can be learned because if you know the strategies then you can delay longer all you have to do is know the strategies so they started thinking what if these kids with low delay ability weren't just you know unable to resist what if they just never knew the strategies what if they didn't have parents explaining to them some of the ways that you can avoid temptation and then they developed the experiment even more. They started telling some kids the strategies and then leaving some of the kids to fend for themselves. And do you know what they found? They found that people, the children of all ages, who had been instructed in the basic strategies of self-control, those kids were able to delay gratification and wait for two marshmallows. And of course, in a lot of the experiments, the treats changed from two um, marshmallows to they said, you know, m- less chips or more chips, or they said Oreo cookies, more Oreo cookies. They varied the and M&Ms or more M&Ms. They varied the reward. But the results were always the same. The kids who innately knew the strategies succeeded. And kids who were instructed in the strategies succeeded. This is fantastic. Because what it means is anywhere in our lives, we can learn these strategies and apply them and reduce our ability to, well, improve our ability to wait, to improve our self-control. A quote from the book that I really loved is, Self-control is the master aptitude, underlying emotional intelligence, essential for constructing a fulfilling life. When they compared the high delayers to the low delayers, the main difference when they were in midlife is that the high delayers had a more fulfilling life. It wasn't just about having fewer addictions or having a higher paycheck. It was that they felt more fulfilled than the low delayers. Self-control is the master aptitude. I love that idea. And it lines up with scripture. Let's look at the source of self-control. Galatians 5.23 says, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So the Holy Spirit within us is producing self-control. So why would strategies be important if the Holy Spirit is producing the self-control? I think the, the issue is accessing the fruit of the Spirit on a regular basis. Because just because a tree produces fruit doesn't mean that you're eating the fruit or nourished by it. You have to make the effort to go and take the fruit off the tree and consume it. So when the Holy Spirit Produces fruit in us, there is still a responsibility. And that I think is a disconnection for Christians. They think, most of us think, if the Holy Spirit is supposed to be producing this fruit in my life, then why am I not seeing it in action? Well, how often are you going over to the tree, the very source of your life, pulling off the fruit of the Spirit and consuming it? You have to actively participate in the fruit of the Spirit. Here's another one that that intimates that there is participation. 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. If Peter is telling Christians to be self-controlled, he doesn't assume that they will be, even if they're filled with the Holy Spirit. There is of participation that is necessary. So how do we do this? Well, scientifically, what I learned in the book is that your brain is predictable. Our desires feel like they're coming from our heart or from our torso area, don't they? The the burning, the desire seems like it's from the middle of us and yet it's all coming from our thoughts. It's all coming from our brain and our brain is predictable the book talks about two key parts of your brain that play into the ability to delay. So the prefrontal cortex is more active than in high delayers than in low delayers. They did brain scans while they were doing these experiments. They did brain scans and other temptation-related experiments and they found that the prefrontal cortex just lit up for a high delay, delayer. And it was the limbic system that lit up for a low delayer. So what kind of difference does that make? Well, first you need to know that the power is not in the stimulus itself, but it's in how it is mentally appraised. If you change how you think about it, its impact on what you feel and do changes. This was another key sentence in the book that I could not get over. When a person sees a cupcake, the cupcake has no power. If the cupcake had power, then the same two people, the high delayer and the low delayer, would walk up to the cupcake and both would be equally drawn to the cupcake. But they aren't, are they? The low delayer grabs a cupcake and eats it. The high delayer says no thank you. So the cupcake didn't have power. It was something within the person. It was actually their thoughts. It's how that person appraises the stimulus, whether it be a cupcake or anything else. So if you change the way you think about the stimulus, its impact on you, on what you feel, And what you do change. I liked this quote from Shakespeare in Hamlet. There is nothing good or bad but thinking it makes it so. I want to divert quickly to another temptation for Christians. Um, Obviously you see that let's talk about sexual immorality that is rampant in our culture today. You can see a rated R movie and though there might be a scene in there that is objectionable and the same two people sit and in, in in a theater and they might be exposed to that scene and react in different ways the Christian is going to cringe a little bit inside they may even cover their eyes or turn away and try to just pause their uh, entertainment for a moment and miss that scene, if they, if they feel uncomfortable with that scene, it's because the way they think about sexuality is determined by God. They know that what they're seeing is not what God wants. And so the Christian has a different view of that activity, and they want to shield themselves just a little bit from it. But the person who has no relationship with God and has never read the Bible sits and looks at that screen, and they think nothing of it. They, they will watch it. They don't cringe. They enjoy it. It's not a problem. See, because it's not the image itself that's the problem. It's not the image itself that has any impact whatsoever. There is no good or bad. It's the thinking about it that makes it so. For the Christian, the things that we know are bad for us, whether they're bad for our bodies or bad for our spirits or whatever, we trust God is doing what's best for his children. When he asks us to stay away from certain things and the way we think about them changes the instant that we sacrifice our lives to God. I've even read about people who became Christians later in life and the things that they used to do before they knew the Lord are suddenly nauseating to them. And it happened in an instant. Why would that be so if if it were not a thinking issue? Of course it's a thinking issue. What used to be just fine for them to engage in now causes dis disease in their hearts because they know this is not the path that they're following from now on in their lives. There's nothing good or bad, but thinking it makes it so. So let's talk about cool versus hot thoughts. There's a big theme in the book, cool thoughts versus hot thoughts. It's fascinating to me. And I think as I describe it, you'll totally get what he was talking about. So the prefrontal cortex, that's the red area in the picture here, thinks logically and we'll call them cool thoughts. So the prefrontal cortex in your brain is thinking in a methodical way about every decision. There's not a lot of desire or wanting. It's just, is this a good decision or is this a bad decision? The prefrontal cortex is all about later. It's it's analyzing what will doing this right now bring about later. There's cause and effect. There's consequences that the prefrontal cortex can process. Now, here's the kicker. The prefrontal cortex is not fully developed into the mid or late 20s. Can you believe this? And does it even make sense? Absolutely. If you've ever taught high school, you might think to yourself, are these kids even thinking? They're not even putting together, you know, um, the consequence. I, I they, Surely they knew this was going to happen if they did this. Well, maybe... They didn't, because the prefrontal cortex in their bodies was not fully developed. The ability to think cool thoughts, to think logically and analytically, was not even accessible to them. Contrast that with the limbic system. That would be this red swirl ending in the bigger part that's right above the brainstem. This, um, the, the, toward the back of the brain. The limbic system thinks emotionally so we call them hot thoughts this serves you well when you're in danger your limbic system comes into action there's no thinking logically it's all about now right so if the prefrontal cortex is all about later what will this decision do to impact future the future then the limbic system is all about this instant so when you're in danger, the limbic system tells you, run. And you don't need your prefrontal cortex to evaluate whether that's a good idea. So we're thankful for the hot thoughts, the emotional thoughts. However, you can imagine how emotional thoughts get us into trouble sometimes. So the prefrontal cortex needs to be activated at the right times and the limbic system needs to be activated at the right times. Both of them work in harmony to keep us safe, happy and healthy. So here are some strategies. The first strategy for activating the prefrontal cortex, when the limbic system is already engaged, is put a frame around it. This is really what some of the participants in the study had started doing. So it became a strategy that the researchers would instruct the, partic- the new participants to do. They would say, imagine a frame around the stimulus and describe it factually. So I tried this the other day at Sonic because I would say my weakness is ice cream in any form. So. I was driving through Sonic and I was going to get just ice water with limes in it. And what did I see in the picture? Ugh, I saw a new kind of shake limited edition. Anything always draws me in. So this was a limited edition shake that was s'mores flavor and it even had this instead of whipped cream on the top. They said it was toasted marshmallow topping. I don't know if that was true. But it looked good in the picture so here's what happened immediately you know what was activated my limbic system when i saw that picture i started remembering all the good emotions i felt around s'mores you're always with others around a campfire s'mores create some emotions for you. Then I, I'm I'm thinking about how good that would taste, how fun it would be to try that new marshmallow topping. It, all of it, just I was being driven by. I saw the graham cracker sprinkles on the top. I was being driven by my emotions about how good that would taste. Then even more emotions came into play. And for me, one of the chief things that gets me into trouble with My limbic system is thinking, I deserve this. So it's a very emotionally engaged conversation that I have in my head. I deserve this, I've been working so hard, or I'm so tired, this will be a nice break. And I start feeling those feelings, those emotional feelings of, ah, this would be a real nice treat. So the strategy is to put the frame around that picture in the moment and describe it factually. It's in a white cup. It has a cream-colored topping that has brown parts. It appears to be cold. It is about 20 ounces. It comes with a spoon and a straw. See, these are facts, and during the time when you're describing it factually instead of through your opinion or emotion, because that's what's engaged there, emotions and opinions, because the same person who saw that treat would, not a different person who saw that treat would not be compelled to buy it the way that I was. So it's totally opinion. How could you describe it in a way that is not opinion? Describe it with facts. And then we get to descriptors that are so dry, it's in a white cup. The white cup has a red ink and stamping on it. It's it's in a flat it's on a flat picture board that is lit from behind. The area of your brain that is activated when you describe facts is guess what? Your prefrontal cortex. So without even trying to move the temptation, from your limbic system in the back to your prefrontal cortex in the front, all you have to do is start describing it by facts. And then it just naturally moves there because your prefrontal cortex is logic. So as you start describing with logic, the temptation moves. I thought that was great news. And sure enough, do you know what happened to me in that line at the drive-through as I started I pictured the frame around it and I described it very factually. I really, I even described it, it costs $2 and 35 cents. When I did that, all of a sudden, it's like the desire dissipated. Just enough for me to push the pedal, the gas pedal and move forward in the line. I didn't need to buy the treat. I'm thinking that this can be applied to almost anything in our lives. If we start describing every aspect of it factually, uh, then temptation dissipates just enough for us to move on. Wasn't all of that fascinating? Can you see why I love this book? The book was really so juicy that I had to divide this episode into two parts. So this has been the marshmallow test part one. Tune in next time for part two. Hey there, did you know that your vocation is what you're paid to do, but your calling is what you're made to do? If you're ready to step into your calling, let's go. God is advancing the kingdom through Christian books. He has given everyone a spiritual gift, and it may be that one way you can exercise your spiritual gift of prophecy teaching exhortation service giving organization or mercy is by writing a book that will bless other believers and go places that you cannot go yourself if you don't know how to write a book put yourself under the mentoring of an experienced christian author who will pray for and guide you join the keep writing course An all-in-one online experience that I've created to take you through the process of finishing, publishing, and marketing your amazing book. Inside, I offer step-by-step lessons and weekly biblical coaching, live. Together, we'll solve any problem you face. In the name of Jesus, there's simply nothing else like this anywhere. So if you're ready to join us, go to nikamaples.com and click on the Keep Writing Course. Get started today.